McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 143 of the PO Forecast. As you can probably tell, I am not Hugh Bunce. Hugh is unfortunately dealing with not having an immune system this year apparently and is unwell. So as usual, Hugh, we wish you all the best for your recovery in the near future. It has not been the busiest week on the South Coast to dissect all of the exciting happenings that have happened without any games whatsoever. But to be honest, it's just a bit nice to, you know, chat about Pompey. I am joined this evening by Frederick Webb, who I last saw shortly before I contracted COVID-19 at the last home game. Fred, how are you, sir? Oh, not so bad, mate. It's been a while, isn't it? I mean, God, I think trying to organise a pod with so many things going on, everybody's jobs being dreadful, work work being ill, you know, lots of illnesses and stuff. So we apologise for not getting a podcast planned last week, but we've kept your listener questions, held them back, and we'll go through those and some bits and bobs, Pompey related, which some of you may find interesting, even though it has been a bit dead over the last week and a half. If that isn't a glowing recommendation of what's to come, I don't know what is. Some of you may find it interesting. That is the Freddy Webb promise. If you want to save approximately 35 minutes of your life, skip to the last five seconds where I will end with play up Pompey and then we can see you on the next pod. No hard feelings. But the plan for this evening or whenever you happen to be listening to this slightly filler episode is that we are going to ever so briefly talk about the Wickham game, which is so far in the past Fred and I just had to recap what actually happened. Talk about where Pompey are in the big scheme of things season-wise, so 10th in the table with eight games to go, whether the season is dead, whether there is all to play for. We're going to go through a few Pompey bits that have come up in the last week or so, spend as short a time as possible talking about accounting and finance, because this is not an accounting and finance podcast But it is important that we do recognise that the club statement was released today. We will then go to what I'm going to be calling the web report, because unlike myself, Fred, being a consummate professional, has actually done some prep for this episode. And then, as Freddie just alluded to, we'll chat through some of the listener comments and questions that got sent in for the podcast that never was last week due to a combination of work and COVID reasons. So, Freddie, now that super exciting spiel is out of the way. Uh, I was going to say, I thought you were going to set it a bit better than I did, but no, you just went straight down the line. Absolutely not. just said it how it was. (laughs) I, I genuinely think, Fred, this might be the lowest listener figure episode for the season because, let's be honest, nothing has happened. But I would like to cast our eyes back briefly to Saturday the 19th of March. And I think we were saying before the episode we started recording... The only things I really took out of this game were that Gavin Bazunu is excellent and we are going to miss him hugely. All three centre-backs got booked, which I don't know how often that has happened in a, in a Pompey game. I think that's a, a nice little statistical nugget. And George Hurst should have, well, he was essentially fouled and a red card should have been given to a Wiccan player who I was furious at at the time. He, um, he, was, have, he was essentially assaulted, wasn't he? Fred, in 30 seconds or less, sum up the Wiccan game for me. In 30 seconds or less, okay. The only things you needed to remember, Gavin Bazunu was man of the match by a country mile, did excellently well, made a very, made a few decent saves, one from Lewis Wing outside the box from memory. He managed to save one, 1.01 ex- expected goals against quality shots on target, so that's good. Pompey were anemic going forward, mainly in the build-up in the final third, it was exceptionally dreadful. There are a couple of key stats to take away from there. 
their accuracy for passes to the final third is usually quite good at 63%, but it was 43% in this game. So that's a massive drop-off compared to normal. And that's Football League stats, according to Scout as well. Their averages, crossing accuracy, 15% compared to 33% on average as well in that game. So that basically highlights some of the many complications from the midfield. The only two big instances I remember from Pompey in that game was a break from Marcus Harness. It was a Wiccan corner. Ball, a ball came into the box, head is slightly clear. Marcus Harness winning the ball outside the penalty area, breaks for on goal, ends up being a free on two with Pompey. Harness passing it to Tony Cliff, but then Tony Cliff making one too many pass to, to George Hurst, who was in an offside position. That was harsh. That would be a clear cut chance if we got anything from it. And then the obvious Ryan Toffazzoli two handed wrestling on. George Hurst when he had a breakaway and then the Cowleys both Cowleys getting booked so that's two I think that's two yellow cards in three games for Danny Cowley so if if anybody knows the manager bookings table then Cowley would certainly be up there yeah nil nil probably the right result both both teams didn't create a lot frustrating considering that Pompey needed a win to be even within a shout of playoffs and they haven't so the season's dead have I, summed it, have, I, have I summed it up <laughs> I think if you if your concept of that was thirty seconds, then your life is going to really drag out. Well, but to it, be honest, it is Fred, me after all, isn't it? I mean, nothing simple, is it? Your words, Fred. Your words. So, <laughs> I, I realised about thirty seconds into that that there's no point in interrupting the flow because uh, it's probably probably not the week to really be trying uh, not be too clear and concise. Otherwise, we are going to be done within five minutes, and that would not please our our master, Mister Bunt himself. I don't want you to spoil what you're about to say too much, Fred, about the season. I think you just said the season's dead or done or something along those lines, but that does lead me quite nicely. What a segue that is away from the Wickham game into the league table as a whole. And Fred, this is a two-part question. First of all, is the season dead? Looking at it realistically, Pompey are, I believe, 10th in the table, eight points to go. And last time I looked, I think we were 10 points off the playoffs with one game in hand, I want to say. Got the thumbs up. That is great news because I don't actually have the table up in front of me because I'm an outstanding professional. Part two, if the season finishes as it does now or as it looks now, how would you rate that season out of 10? Because we're going to do this at the end of the year, but we're going to have the power of 2020 hindsight and we're going to have the power of knowing how the season ended and all of this context that we don't currently have. So yeah, part two, if it ends as it is now, how would you rate the season out of 10? Well, the first bit's the easy bit. The season is dead, unfortunately. I think Pompey needed at least six or seven points, I thought, from their last three games against Plymouth, Ipswich and Wickham. They didn't get it. Oh, we got two, so a little bit short of... Yeah, your, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, a, just a bit. No wins from those three. It's basically consigned Pompey to League One next season. It will be the sixth season in the third tier, which I think is a record for Portsmouth. I believe it is a record indeed. Which is another another tick box for us. Oh, God. But yeah, I think the season is, is dead for many reasons. And the squad wasn't capable of dealing with some of the better sides in the league, which is disappointing. One stat that you'll be interested in, Andy. So the total expected goals out of those three games was 1.46. Well, Fred, no, no. Why why would you tell me that? Because it's... If it will make you feel better. But, and then, but if we if we play guess the XG against myself, I can win. Yes, well, it's a well, guaranteed I, success. I've, well, we don't. Unfortunately, we don't do guess the XG with two people on it because it was it's weird and it, I don't think it works. I but, mean, <laughs> I strongly argue it doesn't work with three people or four people or okay. five people. But okay. listeners well, would disagree. But compare that to their average per ninety, which is one point four one expected goals. So literally, nearest damn it, they got ninety minutes worth of quality chances in those three games, which is bitterly disappointing unfortunately and that was again from watching those games one of the main reasons why Pompey weren't good enough unfortunately how would I rate the season out of 10 at the beginning I had from memory doubts that Pompey were going to make the playoffs I think around the time we made our season predictions I think I sat so much on the fence I think I gave a range instead of actually having something about me saying a position in the table. That sounds very much on brand, Fred. I find that entirely believable. I think so. I think so. But let's say the season ended now and Pompey finished 10th with 59 points. I think you'd have to give it like a five. 
like a bang average flat straight down the middle there's I know that we thought at the beginning of the season the squad wouldn't be good enough for promotion and it was highly unlikely considering that Cowley had to rebuild the squad from scratch but as we've mentioned seemingly at nauseam the goal every season for Pompey, regardless of context, is promotion by any manner, I think, anyway. Right. every time you use a four-syllable word or anything Latin, I get a tiny bit turned on. Is that weird? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 think that's, I think that's just you, really, to be honest. <laughs> I bet you have that effect on a number of people. Oh. Well. <laughs> Ad nauseum. Great phrase to throw in there. Just you do the highbrow stuff, Fred. I'll make the. the I don't even know I contribute to this, if I'm honest, mate. But uh, we'll, we'll crack on. If this is a five... If we finish in 10th and it's you're saying it's a 5 out of 10, what would constitute to you anything better than bang average? I mean, let's say, let's not get into the absolute minutiae of it, but let's say we pipped one of the teams above us and finished 9th or 8th. Would that make it an above average season? Like what? What do you would constitute anything better than average between now and 46 games? It would be slightly above average if, for example, Pompey go on a bit of a run with eight games left and there's like the smallest smidge of hope that if the stars aligned and everything would be right they would get in the playoffs which they're not going to but if they at least made a fist of it over the last eight games and finished seventh or eighth with a respectable distance points wise then I would give it like a six maybe if it maybe a seven if I had enough sleep to feel better but I wouldn't go much above that I think it's a bang average season and I think it says a lot that many people including me are saying the season's done now with a significant amount of games left when we wouldn't have said that about Pompey for years there was always something to look forward to even though at the moment it seems that supporters have hit a wall and there's not very much to think about over the next set of games that are coming up it's fairly unPompey like isn't it for for what you've described I'm not sure I completely agree with you for what it's worth about it being dead but it is it's unlike Pompey to have supposedly very little to play for very little to gain very little to lose in the last eight or nine games of the season there's generally been sort of a so you're saying there's a chance kind of attitude which is what I'm trying to maintain here because it adds a little bit of spice towards the end of the season I think realistically if the next couple of games I mean so what We've got what Bolton and Cheltenham. I think if we don't get six points from those two games, I'll probably join your camp, I would imagine, Fred. And at that point, I genuinely will start taking potentially more interest in how we help shape the relegation battle because I've, you, you always find an angle, right? And uh, this is a Portsmouth podcast. We won't go into it too much, but I have been watching with great interest the demise of AFC, well, almost demise of AFC Wimbledon over the past 23 games. 22 games without a win. Um, they sacked Robbo or Robbo left during the week and they've appointed Mark Bowen this afternoon who my deputy head at high school was called Mark Bowen. I'm assuming it's not the same one. He wasn't a great deputy head. I don't think he'd be a wonderful head coach. But uh, yeah, that's that's at least keeping it a little bit spicy because we have got Gillingham and Morecambe in consecutive weeks towards the end of the season. So we could have a bit of a bit of an input towards the relegation battle, but I doubt anyone really wants to hear about that because we're slap bang mid-table and thankfully we're not getting relegated into League Two. I mean, <laughs> the grief we normally get, Fred, for being overly optimistic. If I sit here and start going, yes, Fred, it's great. We're not getting relegated into League Two. The grief I'm going to get into my DMs uh, come at me, by the way. But uh, it's it's just not it's not really a good idea. Anyway, I've rambled for a little while there, Fred. What from now to the end of the season would put you below a bang average grade? What would constitute a, a poor season? Bearing in mind at the start of the year, we did say realistically mid-table squad. It would take a bit of a drop off for me to get below average. So, for example, we finished in the bottom half of the table, and so and it was obvious that I don't think this will happen. But let's let's say we go, I go to a few of the games left in the season. So the last game of the season against Sheffield Wednesday away or some of the home games left. And it's obvious that some of the players are on the beach. That would frustrate me a lot. I doubt it with these group of players, by the way. I think for for a lot of their faults, they give 110% every week, most of the time. So I doubt that will happen. But if, for example, if Pompey fade away from these last eight games, don't pick up many points, have some patchy form and finish 12th or 13th, then I'll, then it would be below average. And then then the side's underachieved for the players they have. That's fair, Fred, I think. You'd, you'd like to think we're not going to see it. I'm making facial expressions, Fred, because I've got the 
FA Women's Senior Cup final, Pompey are playing Bournemouth at the moment. That is why you're getting facial expressions because Pompey just went close to making it 2-0 just before half-time. Uh, this could be the first pod recording where Pompey wins some silverware while we're, we're recording. Although, if we are still recording in an hour, something has gone catastrophically wrong, I guess. Anyway, Fred, I think that has summed things up quite nicely for where we're at in the season. I'm not quite on the same page as you in saying it's a dead season now. I've watched too much football to really ever write anything off, if I'm honest. And I mean, to pull the classic rab out of the hat, sort of, you look at the, the table in League Two, I think it was six or seven games before the end of the season with, I think, Donny and Plymouth above us and how they both bottled it. You know, it can happen. And yeah, it's extremely unlikely. And lightning doesn't often strike twice and all those cliches. But I enjoy football a bit more if I feel like there's something riding on it. So for at least the next two games, I'm going to maintain that. Another question, just throwing off sort of off the cuff. Where are Pompey compared to this time 12 months ago? <laughs> That's a question, isn't it? Thanks, well, mate. I mean, positionally, they've barely moved, which has been frustrating. But in terms of building a squad for the future, I see a fair number of players that I expect to be key building blocks for Pompey in the next coming seasons. Whereas last season, when Danny Caldy took over, he obviously had Kenny Jackett's players and obviously there was a massive cull in the summer. I think in that in that regard, there's movement in, in, in terms of Caldy implementing his own style of play, which at times this season I've really enjoyed. The crisp passing through the middle um, I've liked the wing-back system to a certain extent. That, that has taken some great strides and on the pitch, buying some of the training facilities, dealing with the North Stand. The club has moved forward in that regard, but the cold, hard facts of uh, where they sit in the table, they haven't moved at all, which has been fairly disappointing. But I don't think I'm being overly negative with that. I think there are positives to take away from it long-term. But how many times have we said, oh, there are long-term there are improvements you can look at long-term. Let's have a look at next season uh, again. For the This will be the sixth time in a row or something stupid that we've said this since we've been in League One. I think I had a little tirade about that about a month ago, so I'm not going to chime in on that one. If anyone wants to listen to me have a rant about always looking into the long term and never trying to secure success in the season we're in or in this transfer window, then just go back about three episodes and just listen to one of my other ones because I don't think anyone needs to hear that again. What we'll do, Fred, is go through some of the Twitter comments. So there's a good chance that you guys don't even remember sending these in because it's been a week. And, you know, a lot happens in a week. So you may well not sending these, remember sending these tweets in, but we'll go through some of them. Anyway, uh, some of them are on a similar theme to what we've spoken about. I think I quickly wanted to say there, Fred, as well, you mentioned the North Stand, that that actually, to me, that looks really, really good. I think credit where it's due. I've seen a couple of comments like, oh, it looks exactly the same in that exact tone of voice. And I think the club are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Sometimes we have our own individual concerns with them. But I think, for me, it looks pretty good. And they've used the time between having home games and got a decent amount of work done when they've not had to balance that with match days. So credit where it's due. Bit of a random shout out that will mean nothing to anyone, I'm sure. But Fred, we'll move to Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for messaging in a week ago. Sorry we didn't reply at the time. We will start with Pompey Hazard who tweeted in saying, out of the players who are out of contract at the end of the season, who would you keep? So according to our good, reputable friends at Transfer Market, Fred, we have a list of players who are out of contract from May the 31st up to the end of June of 2022, some of whom are on loan, some of whom are on permanent. So Fred, I'd love to think of a catchy name for this section. Keep or sweep? Is that a thing? Any ideas, Fred? That's a, that sounds like a horrendous game show from the seventies. That's what. That's exactly what I was going for. Sign or sign or decline? How's that, Fred? That at least has wordplay, so we'll go with that, shall we? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we doing, mate? Sign or re- no? Sign or decline? I forgot my own game show. Fred, first up, Malon Romeo. Obviously, not with us on a permanent deal anyway. Fred, sign or decline? Oh, not that we're likely to have an option in this one. Yeah, we're not going to. I would sign him, but I could imagine a championship team trying to sign him or him staying at Millwall. And I think that's going to be the case of most of the loan signings. I only see one of them being plausible. Spoilers, Fred. Spoilers. spoilers. So um, I'd, I'd be surprised if Romeo went back to Millwall, wouldn't you? He doesn't seem 
to be a big fan of the place for extremely good reasons, as far as I'm concerned. But that's probably hearsay for a different day. Michael Jacobs, the club have got a one-year option, I believe. Sign or decline? Sign, obviously. We're one of our better creative midfielders when fit and can play in multiple positions in the in the, in the free. So they should sign him. But from the news I've been hearing about other players with automatic contract extensions. They're unhappy with those pay rises built in because they're pre-COVID. So it might be a case of not doing the automatic extensions and trying to negotiate contracts the hard way elsewhere. Ah, negotiating contracts with a a poor financial wage offer. That worked out well last year, didn't it? Or the year before. I know. Well, but the (laughs) the problem is... The problem is the season ended badly last last time. So many people, so many people, including myself, wanted a fresh start. Regardless, so there we are. Uh, uh, I would at least, at least none of those players who left are now succeeding in a automatic promotion winning side. I mean, that to, be fair, really... to be fair, I'd only keep one of them. So, I'm oh, who out, who out of interest? Uh, Jack Watmore. Okay, cool. Next up, George Hurst. We're going to have to speed this up a little bit, mostly because this list is quite long. So, George Hurst sign because he um, he's that complete forward mole that fits the system. Complete forward mold. You've come a long way since uh, since his little goalless career uh, up until <laughs> probably, probably because I haven't done the, like, like the research for the transfer special. If I do uh, and see more options, I might I might renege on that. I'm sure that'll make him feel utterly wanted. Um, yes, I would sign him unless I can find any better options than my research. Is basically what you just said there, Fred. So Hurst will keep. I mean, let's face it, Baz, we're not going to have an option with. I wouldn't imagine. I'm pretty. I mean, I don't even think we need to discuss that one. Uh, my player of the season, Tyler Walker. Uh, decline. He hasn't played very well at all, unfortunately. No, weird one, that, isn't it? Looked, he, was it Wimbledon away was his first game and he sort of signed on the day and actually looked half decent and I was reasonably hopeful and uh, hasn't quite clicked, but, you know, still time. The optimism is strong in this one. Aidan O'Brien, contract ending on June the 30th. Sign, he's earned it. Played very well in a short amount of time, put himself into the first team conversation. If Cowley signs him on a two-year deal, he's a good squad player and impact player from the bench, or you can start him. So yeah, and yeah I th- will probably be cheap in comparison to some others. I think if if he hasn't done enough to deserve an offer for a longer deal, I'm not quite sure what he was expected to do. So yeah, fair play. I think I would be on the same page as you there, Fred. And next up, Sean Williams. Just as well, Hugh isn't here this week because this one might give him a coronary. What are your thoughts, Fred? I decline, unfortunately. He's been rather disappointing and he's had that horrible back injury, which may even be career-ending. We're not sure yet. Yeah, we obviously wish him all the best for uh, for the recovery from that. But pre the injury, the form was, yeah, it was in a dip, wasn't it? After a strong start to the season and didn't quite look like he was keeping up to the pace of some of the games we watched. Um, but yeah, wishing him all the best for a recovery goes without saying. Louis Thompson, we have. A, I think the club have an option, a one-year option for this uh, for this deal. And it's post-COVID, so it might actually be financially viable for them. So yeah, is he still on pay per play until the end of the season? I believe so. Uh, that's what the contract was. So. Madness. Yeah, uh, I would sign him. Similar similar arguments to O'Brien. He's earned it, and he can fit in in the starting eleven, or if he find better midfielders, good squad player. Let's just rattle through the rest of these, Fred. Uh, Rags? Uh, Sign, arguably one of our best centre-halves this season. Arguably one of our best centre-halves. We've only had about four. If he's not one of the best ones, (laughs) then I'm not sure who else you're you're promoting up there. But I saw Paul Downing was at fault for a Rochdale goal the other week. Just couldn't couldn't quite believe what I was doing. Well, you had to put that in, didn't you? You couldn't quite believe what I was doing. You couldn't leave the poor man alone. Hey, I've always been a staunch defender of him. I'm not Hugh Bunce. I'm, I'm the good cop in this good cop, bad cop, bad cop podcast that we run. I'm the nice person. Believe it or not, that is a damning indictment of you and Hugh, by the way. If I'm the goodie, geez. Hayden Carter, Fred. I would sign, but highly unrealistic. He's probably yep. going to play for Batburn next season. I would certainly agree with that. Interesting one here. Marcus Harness with the club has a one-year option, I believe. But as you as you spoke about already with the wages, what do we think, Fred? Sign, because he's probably one of the only natural attacking midfielders that Pompey have at the club. Scored 10 plus goals from midfield. Very good. Frustrating at times with passing, but most of the time very creative. I don't see who you'd replace him with at the moment. So yeah, I'd sign him. Okay, uh, Rico Hackett. Sign as a squad player, but if he wants too much money, drop him because I don't think he's great left wing back defensively, in my opinion. 24 though, young player. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're buying potential there, aren't you? Yeah. Jaden Reed. Decline because of the injury. 
sad, but yeah, no, you know, I mean, you can fill the squad plate space with somebody else. And then finally, I may have missed people, but finally, destroying me that Harry Jewett White was born in 2004 because I actually remember 2004, which which makes either him very, very young, me very, very old. Hey, even I remember 2004. Behave. <laughs> okay, good. What do you mean, even you? You're not that much younger than me. You're what, 20? 24. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, Callum Johnson's out of contract, a decline. He's not a wingback. Unfortunately, he wasn't on my list, but very good point. Hadn't thought of him because he's out on a, he's obviously at Fleetwood. So there you go, Hazza. That was a great listen. I think generally we are going to see a bit of a turnover, but it's not going to be anything as dramatic as, as last season. You'd- and also, Jay, Jay Mingy's out of contrast. Yes, I've uh, seen him play for a total of about 11 minutes. Yes, and I was, I was at that game as well. Yeah. Um, I don't feel qualified to really have an opinion on that one, if I'm I, honest. I, I haven't seen him enough. Um, it would, Entirely depend on if Danny Cowley thinks he's got a high ceiling or not, really. Bratton mm. and the PFC Jack, who is rocking the Ukraine flag, as is Pompey Hazza. I'm um, not going to go political, but damn straight. Slava Ukraine. Jack asks, who are your, who are each of your guys' top three players for the season? Do you want to go first, Fred? And I will, I will follow up. Yeah, sure. I think I'll start with Gavin Pizzuno in goal, mainly because of the numerous clean sheets and just the obvious quality he has. I think if Pompey had a worse keeper, Pompey wouldn't have been in certain games. I'd go with Joe Morell as well. Probably Pompey's best centre midfielder. Rock solid. One of those midfielders who it's very noticeable when he's not playing. He's dipped slightly in the last few games, in my opinion. But I think that's because of overplaying, like many of the, his other teammates as well. And it's a toss-up, really. Honourable mention to Marcus Harness. I do think he's played well this season, but has been inconsistent. I would, I'm just going to go with consistent pick. I'm going to go with Connor Ogilvie as the third one. I've really liked how he's played at left-sided centre-half and even at left wing-back as well. He was shown to have that good crossing mentality when he played there, which was excellent cover, but he's also just a rock-solid centre-half. And I think he, him and Raggett, those two in the three centre-halves are very good and I would happily go with them too next season. Just need to replace the right-sided centre-half. And Pompey have been good defensively this season, mostly. So I'd go with Ogilvy, Bazunu and... Morel. Stuff, Fred. This is like an awards ceremony, but without me punching you, just to make it proper, like contemporary. Like, there's no, 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 but I didn't, I didn't say that your girlfriend was going bald. So it's fine. Uh, she isn't, as far as I know, Fred. That would be a. I don't a know. I've, I don't think I've ever seen her. So um, you have actually. Anyway, this is probably not for the recording, is it? Uh, for my three, I will go with. I mean, you can't not go with Baz, can you? You can't not go with Gavin Bazuno. It would be just ridiculous to leave him out of the three. I would probably include Rags in my top three, um, purely because there have been one or two individual errors, yes. I think he's been utilised at times in a way that doesn't suit his style of play in terms of playing out from the back. I think Opta stats had the... It was either the greatest number of unsuccessful passes or the greatest percentage of unsuccessful passes in Opta history in the game against, I want to say, Ipswich, but... I'm not 100% sure if it was the Ipswich game. It, I um, think it would have been because it was his bad back pass that left to Bazunu coughing yeah. it up, if you remember. Yeah. So, I mean, what I've done there is highlight an individual mistake by Raggett and Bazunu. I was going to say, you're supposed to say it's good. Top, oh, yeah, I've included both of them in my top three players, which is fantastic uh, evidence-based work from me there. And then third player, I'm, I'm going to go a bit left field just so I don't completely echo you. And I'm going to bring in Jacobs, Michael Jacobs, because I think when we've been on four streaks or even in games where there's just no attacking intent or attacking prowess, he has been an impact player. I don't want to just sit here and name three defensive players. I could easily say Raggett, Ogilvy and Bazunu, but I want to actually have some sort of attacking intent in my in my three. Yeah, uh, so I, I feel like I should have picked Jacobs, to be honest, but for me, it's all, for me, always the first two players that go to the head were Morel and Bazunu because mm. longevity throughout the season, they've both played incredibly well mm. so is Jacobs in certain games I just noticed how good Ogilvy is pretty much every single game and I thought he'd be a road pick so I picked him but no Jacobs has had an excellent season as well and pro- probably will be in other people's top threes you are well. such a rogue you're so rogue Fred honestly if people only knew forgotten Pompey goals messages in hello forgotten Pompey goals they ask 
What is a favourite goal that you've seen live at a game? There are so many, but uh, the one that always pops Not into recently. my head. <laughs> Not recently. No, the, the one that always pops into my head where I celebrated the loudest, even though the game ended up meaning nothing, was in the 2011-12 season at the Keepmoat Stadium at Doncaster, where Portsmouth were free, I want to say, free one down against Donny Rovers. And in the last minute, Marco Futax made it 4-3. And it was... Bedlam. The, the fans were rocking the entire game. It was around the time when all the financial horribleness was going on. Michael Appleton was trying to somehow build a relegation battling siding with the points deduction. And just I remember the noise, the celebration. It wasn't, it, I, I just remember it being a goal from the just about inside the box. I believe it was from a header. It just fell onto Futax's right boot. But before it even went in, I was jumping in the air. Everybody was flying around all over the place. So that will always be my favourite goal in that game. That game was ridiculous, by the way, if anybody saw it. Pompey had two penalties. One of them wasn't. Habib Bay for Doncaster got sent off. And Dave Kitson scored by elbowing the keeper in the head, if you remember. So yeah, mad game. Completely mad game. Didn't matter because Pompey got secret, relegated anyway. Um, but. Secret footballer Dave Kitson, isn't he? Secret. I think he's the secret footballer, right? Probably, yeah. I think enough people have said it. I haven't read the books, actually. So. No, neither have I. But uh, what has happened there, Fred, is we've got to the point in the season where what constitutes podcast material is a match report from 2012, did you say? So that's uh, yeah, like, 2011 Good stuff. I would have to, I have huge recency bias for the Jamal Lowe chip at Wembley. It's just complete recency bias, but I do get absolute goosebumps every time I watch it back. The crowd noise and obviously watching it back with the the TV highlights, the camera shake, the rarely spotted camera shake, which is one of those fantastic things that you occasionally get at a game, uh, sort of Aguero style, but Jamal Lowe and then just, God, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, but I, do, I, I, I do remember that goal. I wasn't there. Um, so many famous Pompey goals I wasn't there for, unfortunately. The Boateng penalty. Fred, this is my uh, turn. You've had your, you've had your I know, moment. I know. The Carnu you, goal. You mute Wembley. yourself. You mute yourself, there. Fred. Damn straight. Sorry, Fred. <laughs> um, I do think that I'm completely taken down by recency bias there. So I'll go a bit more old school. The first hat trick I ever score... Uh, ever scored. I didn't score it. I definitely didn't score it. The first hat-trick I ever saw live at Fratton Park was Benjani against Derby County in 2008. And I don't even know how many... I mean, my first game was late 1999. Started going slightly more often from 2000-ish. I've got photos from 2000-ish, uh, 2001 onwards, and sort of match programmes lying around. But the first hat-trick I ever saw live was, yeah, Benjani against Derby County. And... I just have a memory of that being a really special day. I don't know why that sticks out in my head. So um, I would probably go with with them. The entire day as a whole is stuck in my head. Uh, it was a, a good day out with my father, I believe. Cowley's Cows has messaged in. Hello, Cowley's Cows. That's a mouthful. Improving the club from bottom up hasn't worked. Now being one of the top funded Cat, cat 3 issues not improved. Now it seems a change of focus to improve from top down building rep of focusing on under-23s in the first team, in turn, enticing better quality into the academy. What is your take on this? Fred, academy, I would feel sort of reluctant to go too much in depth without Hugh here because Hugh is sort of the academy eyes and ears and the the real expert out of the three of us, I'd say, on the academy and the under-23s deal. He's got very strong opinions on it. I think we had another question about the academy as well. Yeah, John Lish at Lost Transport on Twitter. Given that second-year academy scholars will be having their futures decided shortly, can Pompey's reputation afford another mass cull? Academy-wise, Fred, what can we say or what what do you want to say that maybe hasn't already been said? What are your general vibes at the moment? I think it would just echo what we've said before. On the second point, no, Pompey can't afford another mass cull of youngsters because if parents don't see a direct routes for their kids to get to the first team, depending on their ability, they will take their kids to another academy elsewhere. It's as simple as that. And yes, if you if you look at some of the players from who have most recently left Pompey Youth players, not many of them would have been able to step in at all. I was at Gosport on Saturday for non-league day, seeing Harry Kavanagh, Harvey Rue, and yeah, they had good games, but were they ready to step in the Football League this year or last year when their contracts ended? The answer would have been no. It's it's one of those tough things. 
Obviously, we've mentioned the under-20 Group 3 squad to death, and we've mentioned the fact that the academy doesn't have the facilities yet to be Category 2, which would put them in line with their competition. They are working on that with uh, bringing in the training facilities and investing in that, which is something we need to mention. But it is very far away from what Michael Eisner promised all those years ago when he bought the club. Yeah, it's still very disappointing, but we'll go into it again more, probably at the end of the season when Hugh's here, because again, his expertise on that outweighs mine. Yeah, I'd I'd imagine we'll have a a pod pretty much focused on that in the off-season, just to keep the ball rolling with material as we uh, as we move towards the start of next season. It's good to see friends of the pod, Harry Kavanagh and Harvey Rue, both getting game time down at Gosport. How was the match, Fred? How did they play? It was a, a very dull game, actually. <laughs> it was very dull. Excellent. Basically, it was in midfield for most of it. Um, spent 35 minutes of the first half queuing for a pint, which is brilliant. Thankfully, I was able to see most of the game at the sidelines. And, and I thought talk- you weren't drinking at the moment. Uh, yeah. Right. So uh, why why who, whoever you're with has managed to talk you into drinking? Uh, to be fair, to be last fair. home no 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 last home game, you had literally a pint bought for you by yours truly and in front of your nose, and turned it down. What what is this? Um, well, I started drinking again at Ipswich away because I was at Hugh's house. <laughs> Oh, so you'll drink with anyone except me? Or drink no, with no. Oh, was, Hugh was there it, when you it, turned it, was, it down. It was the, it was the classic uh, diet thing of you start strong, but then just collapse within a short amount of time. I think the word is taper. <laughs> That's the yes. polite word rather yes. than it collapse. Taper, it, 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 yes, my, my, my want for it, my desire not to drink alcohol tapered off very, <laughs> very badly. So, yes. Um, um, Fred, we won't dwell on your drinking habits any longer. Sorry to put you on the they're spot. Not, they're not that bad, by the way. No, they're not. You're, you're, you're doing very well. Um, Ollie Burgoyne, <laughs> Burgoyne messaged in uh, saying, what is our favourite shot on target in the last three games? Which I love as a question. And I would draw Ollie's attention to the, can't remember what, what Twitter account it was. So this is largely an unhelpful recommendation. There was a Doncaster Rovers fan after they went through the entire month without scoring did a full, fully edited uh, shot of the month montage full with 1990s match of the day music and a fake phone number into vote. So things could be worse. At least we scored this month. Uh, makes us better than Doncaster. Again, I'm I'm full of the optimism here. Don't at me. Macaboy54, Liam, who would your realistic dream signing be for next season? And if I'm honest, I've put zero thought into this uh, so far this season because I've been so focused on the last week or so not us playing football to be fair but generally so focused on the here and now because I'm just tired of planning for the future because you know clinging on to my youth and all that jazz. Fred you wanted to mention a couple of players that you know that Danny Cowley was I think it was Danny Cowley you said was scouting at the weekend at Northampton Town. Do you want to talk through those two right now? Yeah I'll go through them quickly. Um, My colleague Pepe Lacey at the news wrote this up. Danny Cowley last Saturday was at Northampton Town watching a game and Pepe talked to a serial fan, also analysis for Northampton Town and he mentioned two key players of interest, one of them being Liam Roberts, the first first choice goalkeeper who apparently has really good distribution stopping capabilities and has a very good command of his area. That leans into nicely something else that Cowley mentioned last week where he had an open mind on whether Alex Bass would be the number one keeper for Pompey next season. That was according to Neil Allen in the news. Danny Cowley said that the problem was Alex Bass had been starved of football, direct quote, over the past few years, which has been true. He hasn't had as much chance as he should have done. So he's happy that he's getting his game time at Bradford City and basically Alex Bass is an option to be number one keeper next season. I've always assumed that that would just automatically be the case from like a financial point of view, because Cowley might think, why would I put more wages into a goalkeeper when I've got Alex Bass there who's played League One football before he can come in I could put his wages into another a right side of centre half or another striker and in terms of how Bass has played for Bradford City I've heard some people say he's played pretty well my dad watched EFL on Quest recently Bradford City got a 0-0 draw recently I'll double check who they're against later and it was one of those games where Bass basically just stood on his head kept the clean sheet and was the main reason why they got the points in the first place stood on his head what does that mean? Uh, it's just a. It's actually a hockey term for just being a good goalkeeper. He stood on his head and saved everything. Or but, goaltender. Is that what it's called in hockey? That is what it's called in hockey. God, I'm yeah. so I'm so clever at all these different sports. Ah, he's learning. He's learning. But for the record, I fucking hate ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, Fred. But, but yeah, Liam Roberts, reasonable-ish, apparent interest. He's going to the analyst interviews. If you want to know more, go to the paper. Liam Roberts was mentioned as an option. And also Ali Koyoki, left back, who could also play left wing back. An attacking player relies on a lot, a lot of pace going forward and has great ball control in the final third. And also that could come in useful for playing out of the back as well. So they were apparently looking at him because he's impressed for Northampton Town this season. Pepe described him as Denver Hume, but much better for what that's worth. I haven't seen Ali Koyoki play and this is entirely down to an analyst saying those are the best Northampton players that were in that game. Cowley might have been looking for somebody else or might have just fancied a whole, uh, just a random game to take up. We don't know. And in terms of the question, a dream transfer, <sighs> I haven't done research into our transfer special yet. So this is plucking it straight from the air. But me and you have mentioned his name several times. Tom Lowry from Crew Alexandra, deep line playmaker, centre midfielder, would be the perfect player to link everything together. I think he could sit with Morel if you want to control games. He could sit next to Thompson and be the main creative force while, while Thompson covers for him, but also isn't bad at passing either. And he fits that mould of player that Eric Eisner talked about when he was talking about that transfer strategy but are buying players young who are moving into their prime Andrew Cullen mentioned that as well so yeah he fits both boxes and I've liked him for a long time so that would be not necessarily he'd be a very good signing I think and crew are certain to get relegated so he would be not, on the not mathematically well. not mathematically no but they're yeah. awful they're going to get relegated they are awful. if I think Pompey season's dead then I think crew are getting relegated as well I think that's safe to say big hot takes there Fred um, I think with on the point of Alex Bass I've been keeping reasonably close tabs and he's he seemed to move from the sublime to the ridiculous on a couple of occasions where he's had those absolute worldy games where he's one man of the match and single-handedly literally kept them in the games and then had a couple of other little shockers. I think there was one in the last minute. I want to say against Swindon Town in the last minute did something very, very rash and cost them the game. So yeah, sort of a, a mixed bag, but seems to be doing a pretty good job yeah, down there. It was there a clean sheet against Newport County where he impressed Mark Hughes an awful lot. And that was the most recent game. Maybe if Cowley thinks Bass is ready to at least compete for an, um, another one spot, or if he isn't, he might just send him out on loan to League Two again and have a an entire full season because that would be the first time that Bass would have had that in his career as a goalkeeper in your mid-twenties even though goalkeepers tend to play into their later years a bit more I think that's necessary to have a full season under your belt by this time so Jack Chapman thanks for messaging in Jack we've kind of answered this one already but it's been a year and a week now it's been a year and two weeks since Danny and Nicky arrived at the club does the pod think they've taken the club any further forward who do the pod think will leave in the summer? So we've we've gone through the possible departures already at the out-of-contract players. In terms of taking the club further forward, Fred, you've spoken on this already. I feel like, this is something I said when the Cowleys first arrived, I believe, that whether or not the club right now is further forward than it was this time last year or you know, around the twilight, let's say, of the Kenny Jacket era. I think we're closer to the baseline than we are to the ceiling of what can be achieved with Nicky and Danny Cowley in charge. I feel like there's a much higher ceiling for this team than there was under Kenny Jacket. And I think Kenny Jacket reached a ceiling, plateaued, and then didn't really know what to do to try and push through the ceiling and create, you know, create a new glass ceiling almost to take the the analogy a bit further. Whereas I feel like yeah, with the Cowleys, even if we're slightly further back, which I'm not sure we are, to be honest with you, even if we are slightly further back, I think there's more progression, more potential there. Anthony Davies, that's the final one for now, Fred. Anthony Davies, what are your favourite away days in League One? What is your halftime pie of choice? For me this year, it has been Accrington and meat and potato. I was wondering what who was putting Accrington in a pie. Fred, so halftime food, I mean, I don't eat at Fran Park. I had... I think in my entire life, I've had one hot chocolate at Fratton Park and it was the middle of winter, Tuesday night game. And it was, and I, I don't say this lightly, one of the worst things I've ever eaten or drunk. And I've drunk some pretty bad, dirty pints and I would class it as worse than any dirty Was it basically chocolate-flavoured dishwater? It didn't taste of chocolate, Fred, which was concerning, bearing in mind it was labelled as a hot chocolate. That was the first alarm bell. Uh, it was also hotter than the sun, which in that event wasn't maybe the worst thing in the world but the combination of chemical taste and chemical burns on the inside of my mouth it, it didn't please me the biggest disappointment this season was them running out of every single type of pie possible at Gillingham where we stood in a fucking puddle for 45 minutes thought that's alright we'll warm up at half time and then that sold out of every single hot food behind the away end and I think every other ground 
<laughs> this is like the most I've spoken on the podcast this week. This is what I'm passionate about. Forget the football. I'm all about the food. Um, You're just there got, scrolling down footy scrand, like well, no, honestly all the, all the posts every time. I've got a theory that other stadiums seem to do this more than Fratton Park in terms of home fans getting really good grub and away fans having to suffer a bit. But I've not had any great food at Fratton Park. I mean, you see, I think it was from AFC Wimbledon. Oh, the food there looked, for home fans looked incredible. And all we got at Wimbledon was a bloody crush against the turnstiles and, and a nil-nil draw. There was no option of nice hot food. Like I'm a little bit passionate about this. So I don't actually have any good food experiences from away grounds. Uh, if I'm honest, I don't know, Fred, have you got anything you want to add? Because I've just uh, really just talked a lot about food. Favourite away day. There's a few contenders. Sunderland away was brilliant for things other than the football. We won't go into them because you can imagine what they were. Um, what, the COVID? Uh, no, that I was on about the vodka. But, you know, I mean, the vodka and the pints at that away ground. In terms of my favourite away day, I really enjoyed Ipswich, actually. The atmosphere was brilliant at that game. It was a tactically interesting game, despite being a nil-nil. Actually had food at the ground. Ham, chicken and leek pie, which was bang average but the best food i've had away is at fleetwood away first game of the season not in the ground there is a fish and chip shop about five minutes from the ground slightly to the west of it and it's the best fish and chips that i've had for quite a long time did you have cod yes i think if we're playing fleetwood you have to have had cod right yeah yeah medium cotton chips that was huge and easily the best football food I've had this season. Yeah, and even more memorable than a goal from Lee from football as well. Oh, you've, I had a quiz question based on that later on for you. You've ruined it. Right, we'll come back to that. On a fish and chips note, best fish and chips you're ever going to have, and this is, I guess, almost a shout out to Pompey and Canberra, although this isn't actually in Canberra, Manly, Sydney, Manly Bay, oh, Manly Beach, incredible fish and chips. If I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners are going to have the opportunity to go to Manly in the near future or have got any any holidays planned to the east coast of Australia over our summer. Now we can actually go there again. I will be heading out, Pompey and Canberra, if you fancy a pint, hit me up. But like, I've kind of digressed from the question here, haven't I? You have just a bit, mate. I don't have a halftime pie of choice because I've never had good football food ever. And that's a sad reflection of, of the, the experiences I've had at Fratton and on away days. Anyway, thank you for writing in. I think we've covered the big topics there. We've mentioned the Ukraine-Russia conflict. We've mentioned Manly and Sydney. So yeah, I think we covered all the big topics there, Freddie, uh, from the listener, co-estimate from the listener views. Let's do a super quick, and I mean literally less than a minute this time round, on uh, Portsmouth's, Portsmouth's financial statement ending in, I think it was June 2021. Essentially, this confirms a lot of things we already knew, that the sheer scale of the hit the club has taken in ticket sales having not charged for season tickets in that covid year i think it was a 25 pound holding deposit or something we all put down didn't we or something along those lines that obviously jumped out the fact that that initial 10 million has now essentially been used hopefully this quietens down the individuals who don't think the the eisner's actually put anything into the club it's clear from these statements especially during covid period where that money went the other thing that jumped out at me, Fred, which I put in the chat with you and Hugh on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this, was the wage costs for the last few years. And I didn't pick up on this last year when they published these, but the wage costs during the Kenny Jacket era and the sort of the rate of the increase over his tenure, and specifically between 2018 and 2019, the club wage costs went from 5.8 million to 7.4 million space of 12 months according to that document released a couple of years ago but the most recent version released today and that's pretty much plateaued as of june last year have you had a look through the document fred is there anything that jumped out at you on top of the two things i've mentioned there i don't want us to dwell on the finances too much because there was nothing hugely surprising i mean the freehold of the rocco costing the club 3 million i'm just getting that from andrew moon we're still yeah. we're still in a in a solid enough position it's like mark catlin said when we spoke to him during lockdown was if portsmouth fall into financial difficulties there won't be many other clubs left around us in the league when that happens because they will have gone first kind of thing it kind of just backs up what he was saying at that time which is actually when this report basically runs up to yeah there are a couple of noticeable things um I won't dwell on this too much, obviously. I'm not an accountant. And if you want to delve into it deeper, I recommend a podcast called The Price of Football by Kieran Maguire, who's an expert at the University of Liverpool and has also gone through several teams' accounts. 
many that are more complicated than this. So presumably at some point he will do a rundown of Pompey's accounts. He usually does whenever a football club releases them, especially in full. The overall loss, 3.86 million. That's rounded. Unsurprising considering that the key things to keep in mind last season, Pompey only had fans at two of those games and that was like two caps at 2,000. Great was. days out though, Fred. Great days out. Yeah, that I'll draw in. I was stuck up north, unfortunately, so I didn't see them. But yeah, that's the overall loss. From looking through, there was an estimated just over a million pounds left in the ports of current account positive that's left over to spend on however the board desire. I just want to jump in. I like that the club has a current account, much like I do. They they worded it as if it's just normal, isn't it? Yeah, Um, I don't know why that reassures me. There's that million quid left. One interesting tidbit. At the bottom on page 17, it basically says that additional investment, and this bit's direct quote, paraphrasing, will be required in the future. So that basically outlines that Pompey are considering financial investments in the future and probably from the owners, because I think they would have to. So that is also something to at least consider. Apparently Pompey lost potential match day income of roughly six and a half million pounds last season with no gate with barely any gate receipts and match day incomes. That's huge. And yeah, and it shows a lot of financial frustration. Um but but just puts it in black and white in comparison to what we were thinking about last season. But yeah, that's the accounts in a very unlearned manner. Um, I'm sure more details will come out from experts in the future. Saying that we're not financial expert experts there, Fred, that's very similar. Um, yes, I'm not a financial expert, no. <laughs> okay, well, I think that sums up what I said at the beginning I was going to refer to as the web report and then completely forgot to refer to as the web report throughout. So uh, that was, again, wonderful consistency from me as host. Fred, just before we do a quick preview, I mentioned already I did have a few questions just to check your memory of the season so far. Uh, first of which was going to be, can you name who scored Portsmouth's first goal of the season? Yes, it was Lee Brown against Fleetwood Town. Correct. So I was at that game. I, I got that, yeah. Um, second question, in all competitions, who was Pompey's first red card of the season and who against? Oh, God. Not a chance, I remember that. Not a chance. If I told you it was against Millwall in the EFL Cup, would that help? I only just remember that we played against Millwall in the League Cup and lost. It was it's a player who's now on loan at another club. On loan at another club? In the same league as us. I mean, I may as well just tell you who it is. What, at this Callum point. Johnson? No, no. Correct. Really, Callum Johnson? Callum... I forgot that Callum Johnson played for Portsmouth this season, <laughs> to be honest. Penultimate question. Most goals conceded in a game by Pompey this season in all competitions. Who against and when? I don't remember Pompey conceding more than four. I don't for, yeah, I don't remember them conceding more than four. And Pompey conceded four a lot, so that's weird. Because obviously there was the four nil against Ipswich, the four one against Rotherham. I don't remember them conceding five at all. So you've lost me there. I'm just gonna say they conceded four and then some of them were Ipswich and Rotherham. We conceded five threads in the we, EFL trophy. Oh, that's why I didn't definitely Who scored for Pompey in that game in the Wimbledon game, Fred? Was that the Ellis Harrison hat trick? It was. Yeah. Oh, this is a fun oh, game, isn't no, it? No, no wonder I didn't remember it. It's that sodding competition with B teams in it, which I want to get rid of from my memory. But I, yeah. I just like poking you with anything to do with the EFL trophy and always get a response. And then the final one, Fred. I mean, everyone play along at home. This is about to finish. This is almost as bad as guess the XG. In total, how many red cards have there been in games Pompey have been involved in this season in all comps? In total, Pompey and opposition. Yes, or you can just guess both separately if you'd like. My extensive research that I did while you were talking about youth academies has led me to have a breakdown of the numbers, but not the players. This could be a wild guess. I'm going to say 15 red cards in total. 15? Yeah, that's probably too many, but I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, As far as my research goes, it's six, Fred. No, I, or no, I keep on forgetting how rare red cards are. But I'm not including any manager red cards in this. I should. I, I don't think there's been nine manager red cards, though. So I, I don't, don't remember any manager red cards. No. Actually. So three reds for Pompey. I, I would have seen one of them, obviously, Marcus Harness, when he yeah. caved caved somebody's legs in against Accrington. Wasn't the best challenge, that was it? No. <laughs> three reds for Pompey and three reds against. So the wins for Pompey would be what that uh, Joe Morell against Oxford. It would be Harness, the game you mentioned, and Callum Johnson. And then three reds against would be Cambridge, Sheffield Wednesday, and who was the one recently? There was a game recently we did go on and win against 10 men, and I can't remember who it was against. Well, excellent research from both of us. Another proud moment. I was going to say, it's your quiz, mate. I can't remember. 
I just because I'm the quiz master, it doesn't mean I have to have the answers, Fred. That's not how quizzing works. Anyway, Fred, shall we do an ever so brief preview of the game, I suppose, the next couple of games? We've got Bolton on the Tuesday the 5th and Cheltenham on Saturday the 9th. So I guess go with the Bolton game. So Bolton coming into this game after, again, a fairly long gap before the time of recording, but they will have a game against Wigan the Saturday immediately before we play them on the Tuesday. So they're likely to be coming in slightly less cold than us into the game. You would imagine that Wigan would pick up the three points there. In terms of form, Bolton are coming in off a 1-0 win away against Crew Alexandra, who, let's face it, you can't really read too much into that result. A 1-0 defeat at home to Plymouth, and all the best teams do that. A 1-0 draw against Morecambe, a 3-0 win against the 10-man Gillingham. Again, can't read too much into that at that point at the start of March. And a 2-0 defeat to MK Dons. Fred, it feels a bit of an ab- abstract idea to have us actually playing a game on the pitch rather than just talking about football. But what are you predicting with this game? Are there any names that jump off the team sheet for you? I guess sort of Dion Charles would be the, the obvious one that I'd imagine you'd go to, but any names on that Bolton team sheet that jump out? Yeah, I've always liked Dion Charles. He's been playing a bit more because Bolton play a, a 3-5-2 usually, so they have two up front. Charles, uh, for example, in the crew game, well, they got a last-minute goal actually from Amadou Bakayoko. Bolton also got a last-minute goal in their one-all draw against Morecambe. Ex-Millwall, Jan Danny Bodvarsson. I completely forgot they signed him. He scored in the last minute as well. So they seem to be really in a similar mould to Pompey with being inconsistent at times, but the fact that they, they're scoring a lot more goals and they've definitely got firepower up front. I really jump like in there, Fred. Absolute banger of a second goal for Portsmouth women. Serious hit from outside the box. They are 2-0 up with 15 minutes to go. If those who are enjoying the live updates for a game that happened between 24 and 72 hours ago, depending on when you're oh, listening to the podcast, uh, uh, it looks like Pompey are bringing the trophy home. That's great news. Sorry, Fred, please carry on. Oladipo Afalayan, very big player for Bolton, played Cam against Crow Alexandra. He's got 11 goals in the league this season, according to BBC Sports. Definitely like a Marcus Harness sort of attacking midfielder. Likes to get the ball, bring it, brings others into play, but isn't, a, isn't afraid to take a shot on and contribute and almost make it like a 3-4-3. So Bolton are a difficult side and they've got firepower at them, but they're proving in the last few games at least. We're getting those last minute goals, which you can read, as I say, they're a bit inconsistent. I just think it's two teams that aren't quite good enough for playoffs facing each other and it might get a bit desperate because they think, oh, whichever side wins, they've got the smallest of hope of being in the playoff race when I think two sort of both sides are done, I think. With I mean, yeah, they're Bolton are one point, one point behind Pompey, having played one game more. Yeah. If they don't beat Pompey, then that is literally it. That is imagine. literally it. And I think Pompey are done. So that's it's, Bolton are somehow even more Pompey done. Are than, done. Than, <laughs> Pompey are so uh, Bolton are somehow even more done than Portsmouth are, unfortunately. So in terms of a goal prediction, I'm going to go with a one-all draw, which sounds dull because I don't know. I don't know what's I don't know what's up with me. Though. I can't really get excited about Pompey's game. It's probably because of the long break. And the fact that I think they're not going to get promoted anymore. Probably but, the fact that you keep referring to the season as dead, Freddie. I'd imagine that would have an effect done. on well, your well, 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 probably, yes. Um, yeah. I'm going to go Deep with, in your subconscious. Yes, probably. I'm going to go with a goal from George Hurst. <laughs> I literally can't remember the last goal George Hurst scored, actually. So it'd be nice for him to get one. But uh, I think he, scored, on... he scored a brace against Crew. Oh, yes, of course. He scored, two, he scored two braces yeah. in about four days. And that was the, yeah, and that was the one-on-one where he's played through. That was an excellent finish, actually. Yeah, I think he'll break his duck his like free game duck as ducks go it's not bearing in mind the rest of the team also haven't scored in that time yeah no, no, fair, <laughs> fair enough otherwise. fair enough and then a goal from Oladipo for Lyon for Bolton it'll be a one all draw I don't know hey. what are you going to make it more positive than me absolutely I am Fred I'm the life and soul of this shit I am going to go with a 2-0 Pompey win keeping the dream of payoff dangling teasingly in front of us like a glass of wine hanging on a treadmill that you're running towards but you know you're never going to quite make it to I will go with yeah a 2-0 Pompey win I really haven't thought through the goal scorers I just I feel like being disgustingly optimistic I'll go with a Sean Raggett header because why not and I'm going to go with Madelon Romeo in the hope that Alan and Sam Stone are still betting on him at any time goal scorer any week. Are they because, still betting on him? I don't know if they are, but I really hope they are. Shout out to Alan and Sam. Yeah, because, because the, the odds of cre- cre- were creeping up to like high 40s, like, like 45 to 1 at one game or something oh, if stupid. It, if he'd scored against Sunderland, between us, we'd have won about 1,800 quid. It would have been beautiful. But uh, unfortunately, 
Well, we all know that he didn't score think against of the treb- Think of the trebles you could have spent on that. <laughs> quid. No, no, let's not do that. That's that sounds unhealthy. I think that's pretty much everything, Fred. We've managed to draw that out for an over an hour. If you are still with us, good work. You have earned a Pompey win in the next game against Bolton. You can't say that you're not a true fan if you don't listen to an hour of this dross every single week. I may be dropped from privileges of promoting the podcast after referring to it as dross repeatedly for the last hour. But thank you very much for listening. Freddie, always a pleasure. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming on. Just, I don't even know. I love your beard. It just makes me happy. It's it's, it's yeah. cheered me up to see it. <laughs> Thanks for having a catch up, Andy. And thank you to the listeners for bearing with us over these few weeks. And uh, I know the schedule has been spotty due to various reasons, but if you do keep listening, uh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly that. It's been a tumultuous couple of weeks for the three of us for a number of not so exciting reasons. So uh, yeah, we'll be back to a, what's the word I'm looking for? A regular output, I'm sure now, as uh, as the games start coming thick and fast towards the end of the season. Freddie, if you think the season's dead now, just wait till you're out in three weeks. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to how many other adjectives you can think of to describe it if we lose against Bolton and Cheltenham. Buzzing, that's a reason to tune in in itself. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next time out. So until next time, play up Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!